Welcome to the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast, hosted by me, Jen Trecek, and me, Irene Rutledge. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of occupational therapy, sharing the latest research and techniques, and providing insights into the many ways that occupational therapy can help people of all ages live more fulfilling and meaningful lives. Whether you are a practicing occupational therapist, a student of occupational therapy, or simply curious about this fascinating field, this podcast is for you. We'll be interviewing experts in the field, sharing stories from the front lines of occupational therapy practice, and providing tips and advice for anyone looking to get the most out of their therapy. So sit back, relax, and join us on this exciting journey into the world of occupational therapy in Ireland. So for this podcast, we're joined by Caroline O'Neill. Caroline is a digital creator and the founder of Dig for Success, which is an organization that helps businesses to use social media to grow their brand and their business. She's no stranger to podcasts as she has been the founder of her very own podcast called The Dig Podcast and is also the co-founder of the Northern Ireland Social Media Awards. Caroline created Dig Deep for Kids, which in 2020 raised almost a million pounds for cash for kids, women's aid and children in Northern Ireland. Caroline and I both attended Ulster University and trained as occupational therapists. We qualified in 2005. So we're claiming Caroline as one of our own. So we'd speak to her about her many career highs and successes and how her training and experience as an occupational therapist influences her life today. Caroline gives advice for any OTs planning to use social media or face the fear of public speaking for training events. Hello, Caroline O'Neill. Welcome to the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It feels very strange to be on an occupational therapy um, podcast, but very honoured to be asked. So thank you so much. No, I was going to say we thought it might be a little bit strange because you're not really an OT anymore, but we're taking you right back to your roots um, of, of starting out as an OT. Yeah, well, I think they always say once an OT, always an OT. So there's definitely, certainly still the skills are there. I think whenever you sent me through the list of questions, I was like, yeah, yeah, still do that, still do that. So yes, no, I think hopefully I'll be able to bring some value or some kind of inspiration today to the listeners. Oh, good. Okay, Carly, well, we're going to start, um, we're going to do it in reverse order. We're going to start from today and let's work back um, just over your career history. So starting off from your success today and then work work backwards. Talk us through um, how you've you've moved from being an OT to where you are now. Okay, so today, and, and a lot of people say to me, what do you do? And God, there's a very mix of things, so it can be a wee bit mind-boggling for people, but I Basically, what I do now is I help businesses and brands grow their online profile using social media mostly. So it's all about digital marketing. And um, I guess that all came from I used to have a shop. So once um, I left my occupational therapy, and we'll talk about that after, and I opened a retail shop in Dungannon. And during those 12 years of having that shop, I had to learn how to market my business because they definitely don't teach you marketing in Jordanstown uh, at occupational therapy. So um, I had to learn a whole new set of skills of how to get my brand and my business out there. So so 
during that time, I self-taught really all the things to do with digital marketing and then businesses started to come to me and say, how are you doing that? And how do you talk on social media and how are you getting those online sales? And um, I started a business called Dig for Success from that. So my shop was called Dig Children's Wear and um, I started Dig for Success, which was helping businesses during that time to navigate the whole ever-changing digital world that we were faced with. And then COVID hit and I did a podcast myself all about the trials and tribulations that I faced and having to close my shop for a traumatic time. But I did. And actually, I'm a great believer and always have been as like something's happened for a reason. I've now moved into a space where I actually have a lot more time for my family now doing what I do. I can take them with me and a lot of the work that I do. And I'm loving my new kind of career really in helping brands and businesses and um I guess lots of people went through such a traumatic time during COVID but a lot of good actually came out of that because we got we had to sit back and evaluate what was important um so yeah now I I work with businesses every single day big businesses small businesses um and help them realize their potential using social media and the good that it can do so I hope that kind of answered the question yeah. And then back then, so you had the shop, Caroline, and then um, prior to that, so the shop, you had, was it 12 years? Yes. Yes, yes. So I um, obviously went to Jordanstown along with you, Aideen, and um, how did I get through it? I do not know, but four years um, there in Jordanstown, and then I worked as an occupational therapist for, I think it was almost two years. I was in the community in North and West Belfast, and then I was in, then I went to Kergavan and was a, a basic grade OT, that's what you called it at the time, on the wards, and um, loved it. Loved my job, I have to say, and love occupational therapy, and whenever young people come to me now and say they're going to be an OT, I get like we like a butterflies because I do think it's unreal profession but actually when I was there in Craigavon I used to always be talking about on my lunch break what I was going you know if I ever had a business I would do or I, I was always a bagel shop I said I'm going to open a bagel bar and um, wouldn't it be deadly if you did this and that was always my conversation and I guess I remember Shane Brain was my um, senior OT at the time he sat right beside me and he said to me you can't you can't be doing that I used to say imagine if we did this on the wards and imagine if we did this and he's like yeah we doing that Caroline so actually the confine the what's the right way to say it, it was kind of a wee bit confined my creativity yeah. a wee bit from I'm a wee bit crazy in my ideas and I suppose uh, I was I was always searching for the, the entrepreneurial spirit was there yeah. basically and yeah. um, so I decided whenever I was studying to be an OT I worked in retail and then that opportunity came up to um, open a shop in Dungannon and um, my mother was absolutely devastated that I was leaving my good career as an occupational therapist. What about your pension? <laughs> Honestly, that is a big thing. Like people do say that a lot. Like, oh my God, you studied for all them years. But actually, that that the life skills that I learned as a student, first of all, and as an occupational therapist, have helped me so much over the years. So I don't regret it. I don't wish I hadn't done it. I think it's helped me immensely. Mm -hmm. What, what skills do you think that you kind of developed and learned that have transferred? Because it's a big jump. You need to be good with people when you're an occupational mm. therapist and okay. you need to understand and you need to be a good listener and you need to be a problem solver and you need to be um, a quick thinker. And all of those things, I, I, like I had to put those into practice every single day in the retail environment and today. So 
I believe that I got a good grounding um, as an occupational therapist and how to look at things like there's so many different elements to every problem you meet. So that holistic approach. So I always remember, I can't remember what you call the lecture um, eating, but in university, I like I wouldn't have been the smartest in the class for sure, was probably down at the bottom end of levels of grades and stuff. But I remember freaking out I wasn't going to pass my finals and the lecturer, I can't remember which one it was, but she said to me, Caroline, as long as you know the process, as long as you know the holistic process to treat people, actually the condition, yes, is important, but it's about the holistic approach, looking at all the different elements to their lives and all. And I, that I actually kept that with me then through loads of things. Let's look at all of this. How is it all affecting even within my shop, like from my staff to the stock to the management of everything. I looked at the whole process and then made a plan. So thank you to that lecturer. I feel bad. I can't even remember her name, but it, had, it actually those skills never leave you then. And really putting the, the customer, I suppose, or the service user or the patient or the person at the center of it and then the systems around it, right? Of course. So actually, you could apply that to a lot of kind of business models today. If, if, if more people learn from occupational therapy, um, the, the whole thing would run a lot smoother, I think. Caroline, just when we're talking about Jordanstown, um, my vivid memory of you is in our final year when we were doing our research projects and we all had to present our dissertations. And um, thankfully, I went before you because I would not have been able to get up on the stage after you. You blew everyone away. Now, I can't tell you what you were talking about, but your project, you, your delivery of um, how you presented your project, your communication skills were amazing. You could have heard a pin drop in the room. You've always had that um, pizzazz and you're able to hold just an audience. Um, have you any tips around communication for occupational therapists, maybe that are maybe delivering trainings or um, trying to maybe share a new business idea or anything like that? First of all, no recollection of that. Don't know. Didn't even <laughs> didn't even know we did a presentation. Does that actually scare you the way your memory fades and you don't remember things like yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is that long I ago, Caroline? Sure. I would love to actually love to look back and like I get a wee insight into that. Don't know what that was, but thanks for saying that. My memory of you was the style. You were always the most stylish person in the class. <laughs> but anyway, um, my tips. So I know when you're an occupational therapist, you're not trained, like I said, to be the public speaker, to be the communicator, which in today's world, we actually all need to be now, especially, I believe, occupational therapy, educating people on social media about occupational therapy and about how to do occupational therapy in the home is so important that actually people do need that bit of training. I believe it should be a module um, within the University of Ulster or wherever else that course is about how to educate others online about the profession. So my tips would be, this is the first thing I always say to people. If a client came to you and asked you a question or asked you, you know, the key points about occupational therapy, would you hold back? Would you not tell them? No. So I always say to think of a crowd or think of your phone as a client asking you and you give it your bit. You, you represent your profession how you would want it to come across. So just like you saying about what you saw me do, I don't know where that came from. I suppose deep down inside, there has to be that kind of 
uh, inner confidence as well in what you're saying. So you thought you guys know your profession better than anyone. So why would you hold it back? You're doing a disservice to the people that are listening. So first of all, think like that. Then also, if you're in a crowd where it's all fellow colleagues, they all want, they're there to hear you, to hear what you have to say. Gone are the days when, remember years ago when people would have heard people speak out in public or on social media, they'd be like, God, did you hear her talk? Notions. Notions about yourself. It's not like that anymore. People expect information. They expect to be educated. And there's no more... I don't believe there's any kind of judgment anymore for people either talking online or delivering any kind of training. People need it. And people now are more, um, they're more aware about the knowledge that they require. So I believe you should think like that. If you're going to do a presentation, think these people need to hear what I have to say. Um, I'm trying to think of what other um, tips use other people that inspire you to help you train yourself. And I would also say recording yourself. So if you put your phone up and just record yourself on your camera roll and, and practice that way and watch it back. A lot of people hate the sound of their own voice. Mm-hmm. And they hate the sound of, and they hate the look of themselves as well, which is all very normal. But actually, it's just like everything. And like occupational therapy, the more you do something, the more independence you will gain in that area. It's the exact same for public speaking. And if you always shy away from it, you'll actually never gain that confidence. So put your OT skills into practice when it comes to doing public speaking and to doing presentations and to doing online conversation and practice it, practice it, practice it. And the independence in that area will come for sure. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. I think because it's something that that's partly why we wanted to do this podcast because OTs, we we know ourselves the value of our service and we know, you know, what people can get from it. But I don't know that we always translate that particularly well or shout about it enough, you know, in terms of the diversity and the range of services that we can offer and how we can we can benefit people. So I think I don't know, is it a confidence thing or do you think it's a, it's a learning thing that, you know, why aren't we shouting more about what we do? I believe, and I always thought this, even at university, that occupational therapy is underrated because we as professionals, just like you said, are never, we've never been advocates for our own service. So my mum would still say to me, what is an OT? And I'm like, what? And and, that's our fault. That's the profession's Mm -hmm. fault, I believe, for not, you know, we all know what a physio does and we all know what a nurse does. So why do people, you know, so I believe that it's us, it's, hear me, you think I was selling OT, it's your guys' responsibility to educate people about the amazing um, profession that it is, about the life-changing things that it can do. And it's up to the profession to do that and is it still like the mm-hmm. college of occupational therapists and all is that still a thing and like yeah. Sarah registered well right. that should be, that should be to me a platform and I do see it more now there is online and you guys are doing it now with the podcast but you, there is the the OTs on Instagram and Facebook and I get so excited when I see that because people need this information and it's a disservice to them so I think it's just tradition and years gone by they weren't the profession wasn't good at shouting about what they do but those times have changed and you girls are showing that with this podcast yes hopefully that's the plan that's that's why we're here isn't it yeah it's something that you said earlier though Caroline about um kind of feeling a little bit constrained by traditional services and and maybe we haven't we've worried about oh will my employer like what I say or will it be okay for the profession can I represent the profession but I think every OT is representing the profession whether they're doing it online or in person so you know as long as what you're putting out there you feel you can stand behind professionally and ethically it shouldn't really matter where you work is that would would, would, is that fair or 
Absolutely. Because like I would work with a lot of solicitors and accountants and, you know, and there's that whole corporate fear of putting like a big brand or a business that's more corporate or more like healthcare professional out there. What if you say something wrong? What if it's not right with the code of ethics? But that's like saying, what if you treated a patient and you didn't stick to the code? You made a mistake. Yeah, it's no different. And so, so you have to approach your content that you would be creating for, for example, online or at a presentation the same way you would with a client. And you're not going to do that unethically. So why would you, you know, be putting out anything that's wrong? So don't let that be the thing that holds you back. I believe in promoting the profession. People need to know. Caroline, back to some of your previous work. Um the dig for success and um, some of your like fashion shows. I remember watching them on social media when you would have included children with differences. I really felt that some of these things bring through, you can see, you can see your OT values through them. Can you talk to us about some of your past successes? Well, I think that when you move into the occupational therapy um, profession, there's that, as you say, core values are there about shining a light on people who perhaps have lost their independence or perhaps have a different way of living and have gained a newfound independence. So as I said, I never really realized I was carrying that all with me whenever I went into um, retail. But I was, and then I had the dig superstars who, like we had amputee, we had, um, like one of my first clients was amputee um, client in Craigavon Hospital. And, you know, we had um, visually impaired and, you know, it was just, yes. And then I, even, even then when we went and did the actual fashion show, helping them like get up and get into the clothes and all, it was unbelievable the way I was still and transferring from their wheelchair over and all. I felt so confident that I was able to actually do that and how unreal to be able to bring those skills. So I would often say to mummy, now if I hadn't been an OT, I would have been able to help those kids. So um, yeah, look, I, I suppose it is about your brand values and about always having that at the core of everything that you do and inclusion and diversity and all of that. Um, it never leaves you for sure. And cause you've got kids yourself um, and a lot of your work has focused around um, kids and, and young people. Is, is that important to you or has that been deliberate or just kind of by chance? I suppose all our journeys evolve. And since I became a parent, just became more aware of circumstances out there. So with Dig Deep for Kids, which is an organization, or well, it's a it's a campaign about to become a charity, actually, maybe by the time this podcast goes out, will be an official charity. But it's an yeah. it's a campaign that we use to support families throughout um throughout all, all of Ireland, really. But basically through using social media, we've been able to raise enough money to buy almost a million pounds worth of essential for families. wow so so I, I guess coming from a part starting to be when I first had my first child and then I started to think about families that didn't have what we have and then I started to see the good social media could do for those people and it just has grew so much and actually it shows you that when you set out a path of goodness everybody wants to get involved sometimes they just need a leader and I just happened to be that leader for Dig Deep for Kids but yes there's so many families out there that don't even have a fraction of what they need to have an independent happy holistic life so um, if I can do anything at all which we absolutely have with the campaign I will do it but yes again I suppose it's the core values coming through. Amazing and it kind of shows the um benefit and the power of social media because we can have so much backlash around social media and how it takes but it can really give if you use it correctly it's just a tool right 
that's the thing. There's negativity with everything here. It's negativity with the traditional media, like the newspapers and everything. It's how you use it. So I always try to, when I go to post on social, what good's it going to do? Who's it going to help? Am I going to inspire somebody? I'm going to educate somebody. Am I going to entertain somebody? Am I going to give somebody a new recipe to make for their family at night to love cooking? And, um, you know, so, but if you're using it in a negative kind of way, you're, it's always going to turn into something really, you know, sour and not good. But I, I believe like as occupational therapists, wow what could you get like it's unbelievable like you could be changing lives and homes with for people who maybe can't afford to go private for ot or maybe on too long a waiting list they could be implementing things at home and changing their lives so i believe the power of it for the whole profession is unbelievable and do you think that all the campaigns about being kind do you think things have changed well i i don't know i'm not sure carlene do you think things have changed a little bit things are a little bit more positive these days in social media or is that still look it's still it. Look, years on years and year for years, people have had opinions and people said bad things about people. But I suppose in times gone by, it wasn't as easily found. You, did, you people would have been talking about you or saying things about you, and you never heard it. But now with social media, people can send it directly to you, and mm-hmm. you can read things in forums about yourselves. And I'll not lie, that has like over the last year or so shook me more than anyone would ever know and but you have to be resilient because and you have to keep your reasons why at the forefront and I've had to do that because it could stop you in your tracks you could say I don't need this um negativity I'm only trying to be a good person that's working hard but people will always be able to get at you and sometimes the more you do the more they don't like you and and you're like but I'm actually doing something good here but it doesn't matter but I think you'll always get that so don't let that be a reason to stop you and at the end of the day I always sit down to Jared and say look I've I've read this or somebody sent me this message and he said but what you were doing when they sent you that was unreal look at the impact it had look at the big day out and the 500 women as a community look at dig deeper kids if you stop if you stop you are the only person that's one is the people that are saying the stuff you then move on to someone else and you'll have stopped doing something you love so he helps me I think talking through if that ever does happen like for example if an occupational therapist started to promote their services online and somebody happened to not like it or have a gripe that could be enough to make them stop but they'll if that happens I would say Dig deep, which is always my thing. Speak to your colleagues and your friends and family and realize the overriding reason about why you're doing it. And is what they're saying, is it constructive? If it's not, then that's actually just a negative comment that you're going to get in all walks of life. And you need to put that aside, either block the person or never read the forum or whatever it is again, because your brand values and your overriding reasons for doing this is to help people. And that will help you move forward. But it's not easy. It is about resilience. And it is about um, good support around you as well to get through that. But that support network is so key for resilience, you know, in all walks of life. And you've got Jerry, your, your partner. Um, what other kind of support networks or, or things have you tapped into that have helped you in terms of your business, in terms of your life and in terms of being as successful as you are? What have, what have you drawn on? Um, so groups of organizations so for example and your and your peer like your colleagues as well so yes I'm self-employed but obviously within the digital marketing um world I have lots of different colleagues you know and people that I work through and we have whatsapp groups and all that there so they would help me if I put in something about somebody said something they'll say Caroline 
pass no remarks on that they don't know you know that that person is sitting at their keyboard and just want to upset you and you have done nothing wrong so just so that helps me but also being part of positive communities so for example women in business is a brilliant um, organization that I'm part of that helps you always be thinking of the good the better how to improve yourself how to grow your skills and always focusing on you know good projects to work on and there's never no negativity when I'm in those groups there's never no one talking about anybody or pulling anyone down it's about raising people up so I think it's about finding your tribe and your network of people that can help support you at times like that you can't do this alone especially when you start to put yourself out there and for example you know uh, if there was a OT conference and you know all the OTs were talking you need that network of people around you to help you feel like you can do it and cheer you on so I would say find your tribe and always go back to them to bring you out of whatever kind of, you know, darkness or negativity that you may be in. Yeah. And Caroline, um, you, you know, again, Jen said there about how successful you are at the minute. Um, Time-wise as well, then how do you balance things out to ensure you've got time for your own well-being and to nurture your own self as a person, as an individual, not just as a mommy or, or as a business owner or as leader of Dig for Success, all the different hats that you wear? How do you make time for you? Do you know what? Like, if there's anybody listening and they are able to answer that and be like, <laughs> yes, I make time, then fair play to them. I Here's what I do that helps me. I try not to beat myself up about not having time. So I think a lot of people get themselves in a pickle, like, oh, I'm so busy and I never get time, but I'm so happy. I am content. I'm a busy person. Always have been. I work late at night. I'm a wee bit through other in the house, but my mummy helps me. I get by. Jared would like me to be more organized, but he understands I have a busy mind. I, when I beat myself up about it is when I actually am not looking after myself. So I try to just say, do you know what? This is my life right now. It is busy, but I love it. My children are healthy. I have lots of work. I love what I do. I do work late at night and I, and I am very busy, but so are all of you. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I like to spend time with my family. That's my self-care is I love a Sunday to go out for dinner or go out to a park and do that with them. But you see all during the week, it's mental. I'm sure like it is in everybody's house. It's mental. I work 12 o'clock at night, but what I do to help me is not beat myself up about that. I could every day go, oh my God, like, oh, life's so busy. And I never got to do this and that. I never got to go for a walk. I never, I just don't think about any of that anymore. I'm just getting by day by day. And I like to spend time with the kids on a Sunday and just try to live my life as best I can and be a good person. And apart from that, there really is no other self-care tips that I have. So you're not sitting cross-legged on a yoga mat, Caroline? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I tried reflexology because my sister's a reflexologist. Hated it, agitated, couldn't wait to get out of the place because I was like, this is just, this is just not for me. And you know, you can't force yourself to do these things just because people say you need to self-care. If I'm happy and content and loving life and I'm busy as and as crazy and the house upside down, but we're all happy, then that's okay. I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I think when your work is something that you love and you're passionate about, it doesn't really feel like work. So that whole kind of again, the OT concept of productivity, self-care, leisure, what's what? It's so personally defined. So for so some people, that kind of passion project that they're working on isn't work. It's that is looking after themselves. Absolutely. So no, I don't I think people shouldn't beat themselves up and start thinking they need to exercise and get up at six o'clock in the morning to get extra, you know. No, you just do what makes you happy. 
Have you um, have you maintained any connections, Caroline, with your kind of OT past or your training or, or the OT world? Or are you completely separated in your head now from that? Do you know what? Life moves on and people kind of go in different directions. And when you're not in that sphere anymore of OT, very hard to keep the connections. You know, like people are all doing their own thing. People have moved on and had families and all now. Like I'd still text Nikki Marlowe sometimes, 18. Um, and I would see her because she would be in Dungannon, you know, and, and that's where my kind of close town is. Um, I've seen you at a few things, 18. But actually the friendship connections has faded and, you know, when you think about it, really, OT, I only lived in Belfast for three years. That's only three years out of a big, long life, really. It's not like we went to school together for years and years and you knew each other really well. You know, so those relationships have faded. However, I know if I seen anybody out and about, it would be like it always was, like catching up and all of that. And, you know, I'm delighted you have asked me. I feel like it's rekindled it a wee bit because I'm back on here today and met eating um, at an event too. So, no, I don't, I don't have any people that I'm still in touch with that is in the OT or that I went to school with. However, I do have um, Olivia McGrath is a um, occupational therapist, a pediatric occupational therapist, and she's opened her new private practice in Dungannon. So I worked with her to help her with her social media and stuff as well. So I got back into that kind of OT lingo recently and now this. So you never know. Maybe I'm going to, I don't know, maybe I'm going to come back to the OT world. But um, yeah, no, look, it's still, it's still lovely to be part of it still. But no, I don't have any direct connections with anyone. Part of what I'm doing here in the Republic and, and along with Aideen as well is, is really trying to encourage more OTs to consider business and to move into self-employment and to, you know, the, the flexibility it gives you in terms of family is huge. But I think there's a lot of OTs have that fear around, but how do I do it or how do I communicate on social media, as we said? Um, so if there are OTs who are looking at business, they can can they come to you? Is there a space on your, uh, you know, they contact you directly? Could you work with people potentially? Yeah, so so I just mentioned Olivia. So what Olivia was doing was she had been in, you know, the uh, NHS for years, but all wanted what you've just said, flexibility for her family. She had the desire, a wee bit of a passion for business. And she launched her private practice in Dungannon there like over a year ago. So she came to me and said, look, I have a notion about social media. I know I need to. I know I need to embrace it. I know I need to get my message out there. Can you help me? So we did some one-to-one -one training. I went and helped her launch on her launch night and get the word out there. Now, I am at a stage where I'm so busy. The one-to-one -one work, I don't can't do as much anymore but I do have a dig social academy so I would take groups of people and do training online training with them you know like uh, it comes in blocks like I've just finished one there for three weeks and basically giving them a crash course on what they need to do to get their brands and businesses out there on social media so um oh my god I would love to be doing an OT crash course for all the OTs so um definitely send me a message and I can let them know when that course is going to be on again Caroline, I saw that advertised actually. It looked really interesting because I'm myself, I'm going into private practice. It just Yay. didn't fit with the, the time frame. On the, the, it was last minute whenever I saw it. So what was the title of it again? And just give us a bit of an idea so we can keep an eye out. Okay, so it's called the Dig Social Academy. So yeah. basically it's a three to four week course, depending on just what the modules are at that time. And it's 
for the novel, the person that hasn't a clue to the person that has a bit of an idea. And it's not just how to, like how to post a strategy. So you can know how to post a picture, but have you got a real, do you know what you're doing? Have you got a strategy for your content? Do you know how to plan content? Do you know what your customer needs to know? Do you know how to do the right engaging videos? Because sometimes you can be on social, but you can have no impact if you're not creating the right type of content. So it's all about that. It's, it's all about how to use social media effectively to grow your brand and business. That sounds really good, yeah. And I think a lot of people would be really interested in that. Um, That is really great, Caroline. It was lovely to talk to you. Really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. Great. And we'll include just that, the information just on your um, website in the show notes. And if you could just remind us again of your social media platform. So if anyone wants to follow you after this. Yeah, yes. So I um, have a, a few social media platforms. So I have, you can find me on Dig Mama. So that's kind of like my family content where I share all my um, business collaborations and also family life and cooking and fun and out and about. So that's kind of a bit of life relief. And then Dig for Success at Dig for Success is where you find all the businessy stuff, all the tips and advice about using social media to grow your brand. So I'm on two of those at Dig for Success and at Dig Mama. And Caroline, as fellow OTs, we are so proud of all that you've achieved. Um, And thank you for flying the OT flag high for us all. Oh, Um, my God. And you know what? Like you say, all you've achieved, but I have, you know, like I've probably achieved no more than any of you, but I just show it all. That's why I say I I use social media to like highlight things and show things. People be like, oh, you're flat out. But if I was showing one of you guys from this morning, you would be flat out too. It's just, I'm no more successful or achieved any more than any other woman that's listening or watching. But I guess I just- (laughs) Apart from that one million for charity, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what though? The, the one million is from people. That's community. I just started it and I, I created a way for them to do that. So I suppose that's the power of building your community. Mm-hmm. So any social, any occupational therapist listening, when they build a community of OTs or people, they can do anything. They can achieve anything. So I, I've, you know, OTs reach out to me for Dig Deep for Kids. So it, yes, I started it. And thank you for saying that. But I absolutely didn't make the magic happen. It was the people. So um, thank you for saying that. But no, I'm, I'm, I'll not take all the credit. That's all for today's episode on the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and find it informative and engaging. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at irishotpodcast at gmail.com or connect on Instagram or Facebook. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you found this episode helpful, please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Um, Your feedback is important and helps us to improve the show, so please do leave it. Thank you for listening to the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast, hosted by myself, Jen Trechek. And myself, Aileen Rutledge. We look forward to sharing more insights and knowledge with you in future episodes. Until then, take care. <laughs>